Hi, welcome to The Kicker. I'm Kyle Pope, editor and publisher of CJR. This week, the death of Jamal Khashoggi and what that means for journalism. It's been three weeks since Khashoggi was murdered in the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. And we've been through three weeks of various stories from the Saudi government and from the Trump administration about what the cause of his death was, none of which, frankly, is very um, convincing. They had a very bad original concept. It was carried out poorly, and the cover-up was one of the worst in the history of cover-ups. To me, that's one discussion, but the discussion for us, for CJR, is what all of this means for journalism because it's raised some fairly fundamental questions that I think are really worth grappling with, um, including, one, why a lot of U.S.-based reporters were so credulous about um, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman, who appears to be behind this whole thing. The other thing that's it's really hit home for me, and I wrote about this uh, earlier this week for CJR, is um, what it tells us about how the Trump administration views journalism. And the fact that we have a journalist who's been killed um, really has not registered on Donald Trump's radar. And this is the same week where we've had pipe bombs sent to CNN. Um, and then um, the other thing that this has brought up is what this means for Saudi journalists around the world, because here you have a situation where there's a columnist who is essentially, you know, murdered not even, not either in the country he lived in or in the country that was pursuing him, but in a third country entirely. And what does that mean if you're a, a Saudi journalist? So um, I'm thrilled to be joined here today by my colleague, Zainab Sultan, who's a Delacorte Fellow for CJR, which is a um, postgraduate fellowship that we have every year, and it brings incredibly talented young journalists into CJR who help us uh, do our job. Um, we're incredibly lucky in this case because um, Zainab has lived and worked in the Middle East and has an understanding of of how things work more than um, the rest of us, and has just posted a story on CJR.org about how Saudi journalists are viewing the death of Khashoggi. Welcome. Thank you, Kyle. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for coming on. So talk to me about uh, your reporting on this piece. Who did you reach out to? What was the question that you were looking to answer? As you mentioned, you know, we were all closely following the entire incident from like October 2nd. What was interesting for me was to see what the ripple effects of Khashoggi's killing would mean for journalists who've left Saudi Arabia and who still want to report about Saudi. I spent the last week and a half just contacting writers, journalists, bloggers who are now like living in different parts of the world, just trying to understand from them what the response has been personally and even for colleagues who are back home. Because I think the hardest that has been is to really try and understand what the response has been inside Saudi Arabia. Um, what was your perception of how completely consuming this story is to you know the journalistic community who is either in Saudi or writes about Saudi? Is this because in the United States, this has obviously become an enormous story, and I think around the world, but um, people talk about anything else? So for the Saudis that I've talked, the one thing that really stood out for them was the brazen assassination, just the nature in which this was carried out and the fact that Khashoggi was killed. 
they have lived under a regime which closely monitors social media and what's happening in newsrooms. And so for them, it was also that feeling that even after you've left the country, if the government wants to get at you, it's possible. So yeah. you're not safe. I have seen some reporting over the last few weeks about other cases where people are kind of, what is the word, the rendition, where you sort of take people and snatch them off the street. Um, let's let's just pause for a second and think about um, what it was like to be a journalist in Saudi Arabia pre the death of Khashoggi. So, you know, maybe since the um, rise of MBS, what's been the sort of general state of play in terms of how free people have felt? Last year, when the announcements were being made about the women driving ban being lifted and just that the Saudi society is opening up to cinemas, it was this whole ring of optimism. And that applied to journalism, too. Yeah, especially around the narrative in the Western media. President Trump will meet with Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman next week at the White House. The Crown Prince is making unprecedented changes within Saudi Arabia, and a large focus is on the role of women in society. The kingdom is the last country that denies women the freedom to drive, but that won't be for long. So one of my sources for the piece uh, is an investigative journalist who actually went to Saudi to really see for herself what the effects have been on the ground for this whole driving ban being lifted. Because it did sound very, like, pompous and glossy, and that's how it was reported all over the world. But what she discovered in her reporting, and it's a piece on The Intercept, actually, that people can go and read, is that many of these activists who've been struggling and asking for these rights for like decades were the ones who were jailed. It was a very deliberate attempt on the Saudi government's side to make it seem as if this is a top-down sort of a handing of freedom. They didn't want it to come off as mm. that the activists have finally like managed to gain their rights. Mm. So it wasn't like freedom woven into the society. It was something that they had been granted, as, been if, granted. as if a gift. Yeah, and, and the, I mentioned this Saudi investment conference a year ago, where, which was the sort of like glittering coming out of MBS. I mean, it's ironic to think in hindsight that right after that conference ended, like a week later, the very hotel, the Ritz-Carlton that was used, was, was actually used as a prison for, um, for people that he, went, that he rounded up. So is, is the view of journalists... Uh, either from Saudi or or familiar with the region, is is the view that the Western press way over-exaggerated the the reforms that were going on? Absolutely. These journalists who actually arrived to see on the ground, like this whole campaign of women behind the wheel, they were like several curated events where journalists were taken and just introduced to several women to interview. And so everything was very orchestrated. And I think... The media just wanted to believe that image of freedom the Saudi government was pushing out, and they sort of went with that narrative instead of being more critical and just analyzing what the situation is on the ground and seeing that, you know, on one side, the Saudi government was pushing out these so-called reforms, and on the other side, they were jailing the very people who actually called out for those reforms. Yeah, I mean this this whole chapter is going to be worth some, you know, serious deep dive as once this current storm passes looking at like the pack journalism of the western press towards bin Salman and then also the may, maybe the fact that 
a lot of news organizations have had their their international bureaus significantly scale back, and they don't have people on the ground in a lot of these places. I mean, I've seen this. This is a sort of disturbing thing that I've seen around the world where news organizations are having to cover, like, really complicated, big, breaking news stories remotely, either from New York or even or from regional capitals or whatever. So I think that's a bigger problem going forward. Also, I think just treating the Arab region as one big mm-hmm. chunk it's so unique and diverse. Like each country has its own challenges. And, and I think it's important to take a nuanced look at, you know, what are the people inside the country experiencing? Mm. Th- this point about treating the whole region the same is a really good one um, that we need to remember for uh, all of this international coverage. So reading your story, um, you know, the, one of the main themes that comes out articulated by journalists who cover Saudi Arabia now is one of fear. Um, I mean, this this incident really does seem to have, e- even in a part of the world where people are used to being, having to be extra careful or extra dangers for reporting, this is a whole new level we're in now, right? Saudi journalists, they are used to operating in a system where they have to stay in line with the government's narrative. That comes as part of their job. So for them... They know that at any point if they cross the line, they could be called in and they could face arrests. It could mean a travel ban for them or their families. It could mean spending the rest of your life in house arrest. It takes a lot more courage to come out and talk about the issues that they are facing within their country as opposed to foreign journalists. Primarily, you talk to people who were like Khashoggi, writing about Saudi from outside Saudi Arabia. And I mean, I imagine the tensions for the journalists inside the kingdom were even much worse. But I mean, it's extraordinary when we're talking here about fears that people have who aren't even living in in Saudi Arabia who are now have new fears about about repercussions. So the sample that I've you know interviewed are mostly consists of people who are already outside who are critical, they are open and vocal about their viewpoints. And that's very different from like you know, the mainstream Saudi citizens who are still living inside the country. Even for those people who have been so politically outspoken, at a point like this, they are reconsidering and they are being very thoughtful with what they put out. It just shows the amount, the, the level of effect that this killing has had on the minds of Saudis. What do people think is going to happen now? So, you know, there's the, the Trump administration is sort of waffling about whether they want to impose sanctions or whether they care that much about this. And the rest of the world is fairly unified in its condemnation. But it's unclear to me what the what the real world effect is going to be and whether, you know, in three months this will have all faded in, you know, into the rearview mirror somewhere. I do think that business in some ways will go back to normal mm-hmm. as the new cycle sort of moves on. And that has happened so far with so many stories that we have covered in the past year. Yeah. But at the same time, I do think probably governments will think harder before doing something like this again because it did get a lot of attention yeah. from the rest of the world. Although, I mean, I, I, I guess I sort of share your cynicism, and I do think that there's now been a new level set in Saudi Arabia at least where, like, you know, th- th- now we know. That, you know, you go too far, this sort of horrific thing can happen. Um, and I think it's, it's actually like a double-edged sort of an effect 
it has sort of set the standard for the people. It's it's in some ways a reminder to them of the boundaries that they have for themselves and also on the government side just because of all the media coverage that you know they have had to face. Zainab, thanks a lot for coming on. Thank you, Kyle. It was great to talk to you. So um, thanks for listening to The Kicker. You can read Zainab's story at cjr.org and follow our coverage of the Khashoggi case in general. Keep an eye out over the next week or so. We're going to be mailing you, uh, for those of you who are subscribers, our newest print issue, which is about race, um, which I think is terrific. For those of you who aren't subscribers, shame on you. Uh, Go to cjr.org and sign up. Thanks for listening.